You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston, and this week I'm joined by Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello. And we're doing a, it's a bit of a sequel, a sequel to an episode we did in our first series, uh, Not Who. We are discussing non-Doctor Who things by Big Finish, because there's quite a lot of them. Um and we, we kind of zeroed in on a few Big Finish classics and originals last time that we sort of quite liked. And uh, we've listened to a lot more since, so we're going to zero in on even more Big Finish classics and originals. Uh, and I've been looking forward to this one. I kind of wish we'd done it sooner, but we've we've had a busy schedule. Um, so yeah, it's going to be good to chat about not Doctor Who for a week. Um yeah, so uh, we've we've got a, a list of things we want to talk about, but um, before we kind of get going, just talk about what non-Doctor Who Big Finish you have listened to recently. Connor, go ahead. Yes, so in, in preparation for this, I, I listened to a couple. I'd always intended to do um, sort of a run of the Big Finish classics um, uh, of the uh, the HD Wales stories that they had done. Um, and I was able to. I was. I was. I've been really looking forward to getting to do those in a run. I've, I've now done those all in a row, uh, which was a little bit of a big finish uh, bucket list to get through. Um, I also listened to Transference, which is possibly the best of the big finish originals. Um, it's. It certainly would be a contender with Cicero for that in in my book. Um, and I also listened to, um, I, I have listened to them all before, but I've listened just for this to the most recent Captain Scarlet. Um, I used to watch Captain Scarlet a lot when I was younger, and uh, it was always a a, a favourite. So it, it's it's always nice to go and uh, get into the big finish version of it. Uh, yeah, it's I, I I'd agree with you there about transference. It definitely gives Cicero a run for its money. Um, I do still think Cicero is the best. Um sort of non-franchisey non-property thing to come out of Big Finish uh, and it does sort of tie in quite closely to Doctor Who because obviously we've got uh, Tartarus um, but yeah Transference is, I think it's great it's it's your sort of classic Sunday night BBC 9pm thriller, you know it, it's quite meaty as well, it's you know 8 episodes long, 8 hour long episodes um, it's it's a really sort of big release. It's a big story, and it's it's just great. And it's great to hear Alice Kingston in a different role, and Warren Brown the different role, and you know, all the other stuff. Um, yeah, I I think Transference is great. 
Uh, I've not heard all of the HG Wells, but I have done sort of the recommended listening we agreed on for this. We're going to zero in on two HG Wells adaptations. Um, and I enjoyed listening to those because they're both, well, there's one that I am familiar with and one that I haven't really had any contact with at all. It was virtually a new story for me. So it's going to be good to chat about those. Um We'll go straight in then to the first of those H.G. Wells adaptations, and it's it is the one that I know, and it is the one that I've sort of uh, experienced in a few different ways before. Uh, it's the Martian Invasion of Earth, which is of course an adaptation of uh, Mars Attacks, uh, the nineteen ninety nine Tim Burton film. I thought it was the long-awaited Ice Warrior-based sequel to the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yeah. Um, alas, no, it's War of the Worlds. It, it is War of the Worlds. <laughs> I find it both really, really annoying and really, really funny that um, that they're not allowed to call it the War of the Worlds because everyone and their uncle... like I don't know that anyone is going to take the Martian Invasion of Earth seriously as a title. Like, I always refer to it as the War of the Worlds. Um you know, despite the fact that it's called the Martian Invasion of Earth, um, it's just a real, real pity that they're not, you know, for what boils down to really silly legal reasons, um, that they're not allowed I mean, to call it the War of the Worlds. It's obviously a copyright thing, and it's presumably due to a bloke called Jeff. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's uh, that's kind of the first thing I was going to ask, really. Do you think it works as a sort of alternative title? Um, and you know it's it's very easy to go. Yeah, maybe maybe the Martian invasion of Earth isn't the best title for it, but I doubt the two of us sat here could come up with anything particularly better. Actually, it that's still the, describes the story very well. That's that's the thing. Anything else would probably be trying too hard. You know, um, like no matter what title it has, it's still not going to be. The War of the Worlds, you know, it's one of the most iconic titles in the history of, of literature. Um, and as, as you say, there's nothing we're going to come up with here is going to be better. Um, and I, I, I guess you can say that it's a cute nod from the guys who make the Doctor Who audios, um, you know, towards, you know, that uh, what, what can we, we're not allowed to use the proper title, what can we call it? Let's do a Doctor Who reference. Um, you know, that it's, it's, I, it's, it's an okay title. Um, I don't think there's anything better than the War of the Worlds, so I don't really, I don't really have a problem with this. I think it's, I guess the sort of the shortcoming is that with it, it is, it does feel like a slightly tongue-in-cheek reference to the Dalek invasion of Earth, um, and it's not a tongue-in-cheek story in any way, shape, or form at all. It's a very, very serious piece of. You know, of audio drama, it's a very, very serious story. Uh, yes, it's sci-fi; it's fantastical. But at the time it was written, and even now, it's it's sort of a kind of groundbreaking story. Really, it's kind of it, it's the archetype for pretty much any Earth is invaded story that has come since, be it in Doctor Who or anywhere else or the fiction, whatever. Um, and yeah, it, it's I just. I, it feels as though it's not quite as serious enough a title. It feels somewhat flippant because it's referencing slightly Doctor Who. Um, 
which, you know, I never thought I'd not like a Doctor Who reference, but I think this might be the one that I just don't quite get on with. Title aside, though, um, it's I think it's a great, it, it, it's quite a long one. It's longer than the other H.G. Wells adaptations I listened to. It's got a good extra sort of 20 minutes on it. Um, but yeah, what did you think of it? What are your thoughts on the Martian Invasion of Earth, War of the Worlds adaptation? When this got announced, my jaw dropped because I could not believe that Big Finish had got the guy from The Hobbit to to come and do, and I'm not talking about Sylvester McCoy there either, I'm talking about Richard Armitage, you know, to come and do this. Um, you can imagine, you can only imagine my reaction when I found out later he was going to play Rassilon and Gallifrey. But um, this was, I was really impressed that they were able to get him and I was delighted that it was for a project like this. Um, because I've I've always said that the classics range is one of Big Finish's strongest. Um, it's been mentioned on this podcast before. I don't, I don't think it was by me. In all fairness, I can't remember who said it, but someone pointed out that each and every one of these um, productions is a sort of passion project for the people who work on it. Um, yes, it's it's stories that they love and and um, have have you know. I suppose have their own history with you know they've read them you know they're invested they're really invested in adapting these stories and they're heavyweights as well you know they're called classics for a reason um and i'm always delighted when a new one gets announced um there's very few possibly you know there's very few stories that you could say are more classic than the war of the worlds or the martian invasion of earth um so this is really this is it's, it's got a superb cast it, it's I really really love it. It sounds brilliant. Um, you know the 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 sound design, the uh, the amount of effort that has got into, um, you know, producing the sounds of the Martian machines. Their heat ray sounds amazing. Um, and the cast are all fantastic. Um, I I could sing the praises of the range all day, and it's always for the same reasons because it's such a high quality production each and every time. Do you think that? Because uh, Big Finish are adapting something that's so highly regarded and well-loved, do you think that it just makes them up the bar a little bit? You know, not to say that Big Finish is anything less than excellent the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, but these classics really do feel like they're on a different level. And, yeah, there is that passion project factor that, you know, we talked when we did talked about when we did Not Who Won. Um but do you think that just because they know they're taking on some pretty sort of meaty, some pretty well-regarded material, it just kind of ups the game a little bit all round? You could make, and this is going to sound unfair. This is going to sound like like I'm criticizing Big Finish, or or and it's it's truly not. But you can sometimes feel like the Doctor Who stuff is on a little bit of a um again it's not a term I enjoy but it feels applicable here. It's almost like a sort of conveyor belt, but that's their bread and butter. That's what their their the main bulk of their output is. Whereas when something like this comes along and even the likes, you know, I get it as well from the likes of the prisoner, from you know some of the full cast Jerry Anderson stuff like Space 1999. Um where it's almost like this like um, they're taking something of a busman's holiday to go and work on something that they really, really love and is just a bit different from their day-to-day um, in Doctor Who. 
Um, and it's 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 things like this that really shine because, as I've said, you know, you get the care and attention put into it. Um, in a way, you know, it's because. Uh, do you know where I'm coming from when I'm saying that it's 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 yeah. out of the ordinary. Um, it's it's like their little side project that they like that that they that they go and work on to to clear their head. If uh, I'm I'm maybe projecting there, you know, but that that that's. That that's the closest analogy I can come up with for the, for these stories, um, and it, they feel all the better for it because they're getting that little bit of extra care and attention. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, um, and it, it's it's not to do down any of the sort of more regular stuff we have from Big Finish, the Doctor Who, the Blake Seven, the you know whatever, but it, it, it's it, it's definitely it it always does feel special when classic or an original i suppose but particularly a classic is announced and it's because there's so much talent not just at big finish regularly but that want to work with big finish that do fairly regularly work with big finish um that it means that when they do something like this they can pull out all the stops and they can bring in you know an actor of richard armitage's caliber you know he's a very very busy actor he's in absolutely all sorts but if they can pin him down for a few days to do something like this and he's willing to do it, which he quite clearly is, yeah, go for it and let's make something particularly special. In terms of the story of it as well, I always find... See, this is the paradox of being a fan of the classics range. It's where I love the stories that are told. You know, I'm, I'm loving the big finished versions of these stories. But in a lot of cases, I've never read the original um and you know i've not i've not i've never read the war of the worlds um so i've no idea how closely this hues to it or if there's if it sort of departs from it um all i can enjoy all i all i can say about this is i really enjoy it just as a standalone audio drama um it's really well it's it's extremely well written um it's extremely well performed and the as you know as i've said the final production of it all is 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 absolutely stellar um I think this one a whole. Uh, I think this won a, a lot of awards whenever it came out, or shortly after it came out. It's very deserve. It very, very much deserves them. It's one thing that I've noticed about um, quite a few Nick Briggs projects, and it was Nicholas Briggs who um, adapted and directed this one. Um, the soundscape work is just incredible. I mean, it, it was the same with. Um, Jekyll and Hyde, which has come out more recently, there was some very, very, very excellent sound design um, in it as well. And that, you know, it, it, it almost feels like it it begins with an overture. It really sort of puts you into a certain mood, a certain, makes you feel a certain atmosphere with minimal to no dialogue. It's purely sound design. And it, it's just, it's beautifully done. It, it really is sort of masterful uh, sound radio direction. Um, and yeah, it, it just instantly, this drew me in and it made me feel exactly what Nicholas Briggs wanted me to feel. And it sort of, you know, put me in that mindset so that as I listened to it, I was sort of experiencing something that as we've already said is particularly great particularly special and i was just kind of i was very very sort of receptive to that because of that really strong opening 
I feel like we've gone all highbrow just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll never be highbrow. We'll never be No, highbrow. no. Spodcast, not highbrow. I think we need that including in the logo somewhere. Um, but no, it, it, it truly is a really, really, really good piece of uh, of audio drama. It's an excellent production and I'm so glad that they've, like you say, it's stuff that everybody's aware of and chances are everyone's experienced in some way, but maybe you've not read the original book. Um, I, I don't think there are as many people picking up and reading H.G. Wells as there are watching a film based on his work or you know listening to something like this or you know that kind of thing i mean war of the worlds i think the way i've experienced it the most is on vinyl and it's that bloke called jeff with the copyright again <laughs> um it, 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 you know and 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 it, it, it's it really is just you know an absolutely fantastic piece and it has actually kind of made me go you know what, I do want to read this. I think I read it a long, long, long time ago. Um, like I, There are bits of it that I remember. I'm sure I must have read that. Um, but it, I'd, I'd certainly like to revisit the book um, because, yeah, it, it's it's done brilliantly here and it's done brilliantly, you know, the Tom Cruise film and the, the musical, all of it. It's, it's just fantastic. Um, so yeah, a really, really, really strong piece, and I'm glad we've started on it because it's a strong start. Um, shall we move on to the second HG Wells related listening that we've done for this episode? Yes, absolutely. Now this is one that I probably wouldn't have listened to first based on the hg wells that i've yet to hear so i've now heard a shape of things to come we discussed that uh, in not who won and that was just fantastic i loved that and i think it still is actually the strongest of the ones that have listened to the three that i've listened to martian invasion of earth was the obvious next one to go to it's probably the most well known of all of the or war of the worlds is probably the most well known of all as of all of the things that have been adapted um, Invisible Man, it's a story I've heard of. It's a character I'm familiar with, but beyond Bloke Goes Invisible, I probably couldn't actually have told you anything about it before listening to it. Um, there's so many sort of notable things about this. It's, it is probably a story that everybody's heard. I don't think I'm alone in you know having heard of The Invisible Man as an H.G. Wells story. Um but it's, you know, we've got John Hurt as the Invisible Man and in, just incredible. One of the the greatest performances Big Finish have ever recorded, I think. And that really is saying something. Um, yeah, there's so much to love here. And I'm really, really glad that I did listen to it. And it's I'm almost ashamed to say that I only listened to it because you said you wanted to talk about it in this episode. <laughs> so, um I'll let you go first, you talk about it, and then I'll continue gushing about how amazing it is. This was possible. I think whenever I was sort of getting into Big Finish, I, um, I uh, this was about the time I, I, I got into Big Whenever I was getting into Big Finish, I sort of bought CDs from the likes of Amazon or Forbidden Planet. And it wasn't until, until maybe two or three years in that I started getting 
you know, just ordering directly from Big Finish and getting the downloads as well. Um, and I think The Invisible Man um, was one of the first classics I got. Um, possibly, not 100% sure. Um, and it was, I, you know, mostly on the strength of John Hurt being in it, but I'd heard great things about about this version of it. Um, again, there's an excellent cast here. Um, it's led by John Hurt and Blake Ritson. Um, and it's it's uh, the, the two of them are super, you know you, I'm about to call John Hurt a superb actor and that feels like understatement. Um, John Hurt was legendary, um, but Blake Ritson is is fantastic as well. His voice is is incredible, um, and he he absolutely holds his own alongside Hurt in this. Um, you've got Annette Badland in there as well. I'm pretty sure. Um. It's it's just it's uh, Dan Starkey has uh, one or two roles um, and and does brilliantly in them, uh, including playing I think for maybe a scene or two the younger version of Griffin, um, and it's 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 great it's uh, um I I again it's not one that I have ever read the original of but I get the impression just from listening to him that it probably hues quite close to the original, um. And it's the way it's described, the way it's narrated and described in 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 dialogue. You can visualize what's happening really easily, um, including what is quite a visual transformation, um, just in terms of the description involved, um, of of Griffin going from you know ordinary to invisible. Um, there's talk of you know, um. The the, the 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 particles of his skin fading, leaving the bones and the nerves, um, and you can visualize that really easily. So that's that's um, very very well done and very well adapted um, in into audio. Um, that you can see Griffin in his lab. Um, I, at least I find it very easy to see Griffin in his lab. You know, slowly becoming invisible. So yes, again, I, I I actually was just checking here um while speaking um just to see I have a strong suspicion this was maybe John Hurt's last ever performance. Um, I don't think it was the last to come out. I think just off the top of my head, the last War Doctor set came out um after this, but I suspect just in terms of the recording dates, um, they're not actually listed on the Big Finish website for at least one of the War Doctor sets. Um, I suspect this was maybe John Hurt's last recorded performance, so it feels very special in that regard. Um, if that is true, I'm, I'm not claiming that is true. It's just I, I, I think it might be. Um, it feels very special in that regard, and it's an incredible, you know, final performance. If it is, if it is indeed so, it's. It's amazing, really, that we've got so far into this podcast. I mean, we're, what, episode 70, is this something like that now? I think just beyond. Uh, we've got so far in without talking about how amazing John Hurt is. Um, and he, he genuinely was in, you know, as as the Doctor, you know, he, he came along and convinced us that he was the Doctor in 80 minutes. And I'm not sure any actual Doctor actor has done that. Um so yeah, he was just phenomenal, and I'm really, really glad that Big Finish managed to do something with him that wasn't a Time War set, a War Doctor set. And this is just—it's it, fantastic. And I—I I was listening to it 
kicking myself that I hadn't listened to it before. Like this has been around for quite a while now and I've not got to listening to it. And it's it's mad that I haven't because it's just so good. Um, and John Hurt's so good. Um, I think that, you know, as you say, the entire cast is fantastic. It's Hurt's performance is incredible, but he's surrounded by people that do indeed hold their own um, and just kind of enhance that performance. Um, I think it's a brilliant adaptation. I don't, you know, I'm not that familiar with the original, as I said, but the story is very clear. It's very well done. It's beautifully scripted. I'd, I'd love to read the book and kind of figure out how much of the dialogue is lifted from the pages and how much is part of the adaptation. But um, either way, it, it's just brilliant. It's an excellent piece of listening. It's a great way to spend a couple of hours. Um, and I feel as though that I have now experienced the story that I was genuinely missing out by not having sort of made myself familiar with before. Did you know, I'm interested to see, because there's something that pops up in this story that does also occur in uh, another of the H.G. Wells stories that turns up in The First Men in the Moon. Um, but there's something here, and I, I I, only listened to The First Men in the Moon for the first time you know, while, while preparing for this podcast. Um, so I didn't fully, uh, the, there's a reference in The Invisible Man that I now realize was a reference to The First Men in the Moon. But there's a mention of this um, from I've, I've forgotten the name of the character, but it's the guy who and he's, he's the vagrant that helps Griffin and ends up running the the, the pub that um, uh, Doctor Kemp you know meets and you know that's the one he's sort of narrating from. Um, yeah, the character is with him. Um, he ma- makes mention of a government agency who sort of look into strange happenings, and I always thought that was maybe a little bit of a sneaky big finish reference to Torchwood or something yeah, like that. The same thing crossed my mind when I was listening to it. Yeah, um, that organization, and again, I suspect this is maybe them diverge. I've never read the First Men in the Moon, but I suspect this is a divergence, a, a, a divergence from what happens in the text. Um, but that organization does appear. It's never named in the First Men in the Moon. Um, and it could very be easily be Torchwood. Um, you don't even have to squint. Did you know that there is a sequel to The Invisible Man at Big Finish? Came out shortly after, but was never announced as such. I did not. Do you don't know which range it's in? No. This is a spoiler warning for people to turn off now and go away if you don't know what the sequel is or you don't want to know what the sequel is but it's Sherlock Holmes and the Fleet Street Transparency um, it involves Holmes and Watson investigating, it's a Christmas special it was in the the Master of Blackstone Grange box set but it is available standalone as well um, it involves Holmes and Watson investigating sort of like just looking into a set of strange occurrences around Fleet Street. There's a newspaper editor whose articles are being rewritten overnight. Um, and it ultimately transpires that it is Dr. Kemp uh, responsible. He has succeeded in making himself invisible. Um, and it's uh, Holmes figures out, Holmes is aware of the, the, the Iping case, is aware of who Dr. Kemp is and works out that the invisible man is in the room with them at one stage. Um, 
so that was not announced as an Invisible Man sequel. I listened to that and it blew my mind. Um, it's Blake Ritson playing Dr. Kemp again. It is just a straight-up sequel to this classic in the Sherlock Holmes range. Um, but it ends with a sort of tease that there's going that 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 something dark and ominous is on the way, um, and it might involve maybe perhaps one or two more Victorian heroes. And I I I it hasn't. I don't know if I'm not aware of it having come out or anything else having been done with it. This came out must have been about 2017. Um, but the, I always took it as a sort of a little bit of a hint that there might be a sort of Victorian version of the Avengers. Um, or a big finish take on the League on the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Holmes and the Invisible Man and uh, you know wh- whoever else, um, and I don't think it's come to fruition yet. I'm still waiting on it. I'm still very excited for it. Now that I would be very very interested in listening to. Now I've not uh, well no that I have heard some uh, big finish Holmes, but only when he crosses over into other things. So there's a crossover with Dorian Gray. Um, so I have heard that and I've heard other little bits here and there but all consuming fire obviously uh, but um, yeah the the big finish Sherlock Holmes range is still on my to-do list and I strongly suspect that may pop up in Not Who 3 um, in hopefully not a full year's time but um, that's that's definitely something I would like to get to at some point. My listening seems to be very, very Doctor Who focused at the moment. I think I'm just trying to do some favourites because we're in anniversary territory and you, you've done something similar, haven't you? Um, yes, I've, I, I, I did a big playlist over the summer which was sort of inspired by... Um, there was a marathon on the Drama Channel in the UK um, back in... 2013 or 2014 sort of around the time of the 50th anniversary um which i was very excited for because i never ever had any of the classic doctor who dvds or anything you know until i went to uni and it was for a couple of years after that but um it was the only it was you know i was gonna it was the first time i saw a fair amount of classic who it was the first time i ever saw pyramids of mars i had never seen um earth shock or any before i caught a little bit so it was the only one i managed to catch in full was the tv movie um which i made i i, I deliberately said to my parents i knew we're going out that's the sunday it was on i said i want to be home but by this time that i can sit down and watch the doctor who movie and uh, when it's repeated um it was sort of inspired by that they took just a favorite sort of like a really strong episode uh, for a really strong serial from each doctor and just broadcast it over eight just broadcast them over eight weeks it was all the classic doctors um, and I just do that now every year every summer I just pick a favorite story for each doctor from Big Finish and just run them out one after the other go from one two three four all the way up and that used to be that you had to skip certain doctors now you can do a complete run between doctors one and doctor ten um with every Which... version of the doctor represented. Which is brilliant, really. Which is something you couldn't have done at Big Finish even a few years ago. Um, no, it's full wonderful. cast at least. Um, yeah, that's great. It's a great way of doing it. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll come back to my listening in a little bit. But uh, obviously, I've taken a bit of a break for these not who things. Although I think we've talked about Doctor Who so much, we probably need to call this not not who. Not quite not who. Not quite, not who. 
Um, but yeah, um, The Invisible Man, I, it, it really was, you know, again, another incredibly strong bar pushing bar raising i guess uh piece from big finish um they knew they were adapting something strong they knew they were doing something special and they threw everything at it including what as you say may well be john hurt's final performance and if it is hell of a final performance you know it, it, it's really really brilliant it feels um, again, and I know, I know. Uh, this is me slating big finish, uh, or it might sound like me slating big finish. It's honestly not, but it feels right that John Hurt's final performance gets to be him taking on a classic role, um, and it's not him playing the Doctor. You know, it feels it feels right that it's something like this, uh, a, a, a sort of cinematic, very very. So, you know, taking on one of the literary great characters in in Griffin, um, you know, taking on a, a truly classic character, um, and and portraying him so well, it feels really genuinely right that that was John Hurt's last performance, possibly. I'd agree, and it, it's it certainly wasn't the first iconic character that he played and fantastic role that he played. So yeah, it it, it is, in I agree, quite sort of fitting that he got to do something like that even right at the end. Um, and it, it's, it really is a shame that we didn't get a lot more uh, of John Hurt, um, not just as the Doctor as well, but at Big Finish. I think that, you know, we we were really, really lucky that we did get some really good stuff with him and everything he did, he was just absolutely amazing. Um, and it, it's great to have him associated with this lovely little audio drama company that we like listening to. Uh, shall we? Shall we edge on? Yes, let's. Let's. Um, and it, it's really it was just to talk about another absolutely incredible actor that is very sadly no longer with us, but was associated with Big Finish. Um, obviously, we had. Uh, Shilling and Sixpence, which uh, Big Finish released a second series of, I think it was towards the end of last year now. Um, and it uh, obviously starred David Warner alongside Celia Imry. And again, David Warner did some amazing stuff with Big Finish and it was wonderful and diverse. And Shilling and Sixpence is one of the more fun um, big Finish classic, uh, not classic, sorry, originals, I think. Um, it, it, it's sort of, it's quite self-aware. It's obviously an adaptation of a, um, it's like a travelling stage show, isn't it? A, a serial. Um, and it, it's it's really good that we've just got this version that we can listen to on audio. And again, it's got a cracking cast then. But David Warner was, you know, an excellent lead in this. And it's somebody else that has, you know, left us within, it's just over a year ago now, I think. Um, and we're really still feeling the loss. It's at the time of recording, we know that there's uh, another David Warner Doctor Who uh, due to come. Uh, we think it's part of Once and Future, though it's not announced yet. Uh, and now I've said that. Probably it, will it, be by the time. 
it, it, it has been announced that he is playing the Unbound Doctor in Once in Future, so it is going to be one of those. Yes, yes, it has, uh, but we've not, yet. at the time of recording, we've not had any kind of story details about that. I keep saying at the time of recording because we have done this one a couple of weeks in advance and the the big finish news train has tripped us up a few times before. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to sort of hearing David Warner as the Doctor for one last time. Uh, and I love the fact that he's been included amongst you know, the, the, the quotation marks proper doctors in Once and Future because the Unbound Doctor absolutely is a doctor, a genuine incarnation of the Doctor. Um, and yeah, I love the fact that David Warner as well loved working with Big Finish and was a series lead in Shilling and Sixpence. It's an awful lot of fun. It, it's the kind of thing where I don't think it works as a a bingeable piece. The way I listen, I tend to binge things. I will do sort of an entire Doctor Who story at once. I won't break it up episode by episode or whatever. Whereas I genuinely think Shilling and Sixpence is one of those things where you should probably just do an episode a day and then come back to it after a bit of time. Um, But it it works really well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Anything you want to add about it? Yeah, it's 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 it's. I've only heard the first series, and I've only heard it once, um, and it's it's one I perhaps need to revisit. But um, I I just love that there is this sort of David Warner and Celia Emery cozy crime audio series. You know, it just feels like one of those things that should exist. It's it's you know, someone someone pointed out recently, um, that British TV or British popular fiction i suppose mainly is comprised of detective stories and quaint villages um and that just fulfills this uh, you know in its entirety it's a little bit i remember some of the characters feeling a little bit sort of strange and unusual um i'd maybe have preferred a slightly more grounded tone um you can still do um you know whimsical characters and whatnot but this felt it's maybe slightly too far in that regard for my personal tastes. Um, but you cannot fault David Warner and you cannot fault Celia Emery um, in their roles. They are they are fantastic. Um, and I will at some stage come back to revisit this series and I will get around to doing the second one as well. It's, it's definitely worth doing series two, although I do have to admit, I guessed who done it pretty early on like I kind of had it figured out fairly early but maybe that's just me being cynical and a bit of a smart ass I don't know um anyhow let's let's move on to uh the next thing on our list and that is one that I know absolutely nothing about so Connor takes the floor and tell us all about Captain Scarlet my time has come (laughs) um Captain Scarlet was my big love before Doctor Who was my big love, and Doctor Who never stopped being my big love. Um, whenever I got into it, I sort of forgot a bit about Captain Scarlet and, and about Thunderbirds and about um, those other lovely shows, um, which one of my earliest and f- most favourite memories is sitting with my dad 
I got to stay up late. I was I was tiny, but I got to stay up late, and I got to watch Captain Scarlet all night with my dad. Um, I don't know how that happened. I suspect my mom was probably away. Um, but that was that's I remember very very vividly uh, the two of us doing that, and it's it is genuinely one of my happiest memories. So when Big Finish announced. And I remember the video. The video reveal for it was incredible because it was one of those ones that they put out that they don't quite reveal what it is in the text. Um, they just sort of uh, put the video out and a little bit of a tease line. Um, I remember they did the same when Christopher Eccleston was announced that you had to watch the video to get the reveal. Um, and I watched, started watching this video and it starts, it's in a sort of gloomy um, uh, cemetery and it's pulling back through the fog and the mist. Um and the Mr. On rings just slide across one of the gravestones and it plays the wee drum sting from Captain Scarlet and I nearly died. That was whenever they announced the first couple of sets uh, for Captain Scarlet's 50th anniversary. I was delighted that I was going to get um, some Captain Scarlet on audio alongside all this lovely new Doctor Who on audio that I had just discovered. Um, so for this podcast, I listened to the most recent one, which was, again, it was a surprise reveal. Um... And the week before it came out, I just happened, I'd been, I'd watched some Doctor Who on BritBox, had a little bit of time to kill, and I put on an episode of Captain Scarlet just to pass the time. Um, it was, I think it's called Seek and Destroy, and that episode basically involves um, the Angel's aircraft being taken over by Mr. Ons um, and attacking Captain Scarlet and some of the other Spectrum agents on the ground. My brother who would never in a million years have deigned, you know, in my mind, to, you know, to, to sit down and watch this sort of thing. He'd consider, you know, it wouldn't be his cup of tea at all. He sat down and watched it, and he ended up really hooked um, on this one particular episode. Um, so that was that was, um, that was was the week before this came out, or the week before I listened to it, rather. Um, and I went in, I knew nothing about it. It's uh, the most recent Captain Scarlet release at the time of recording is, um, I think it's called The Martian Menace. It's a sequel to that episode, um, and I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I started listening. It starts off uh, in similar sort of circumstances, tying into the events from that episode, and um, sort of picks up and follows it on into, into a different story. So the, I was thrilled. That couldn't, you know, talk about serendipity. Um it's it's a decent story. It's 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 adapted, I think, from uh, a T one of the old uh, TV comics or action comics or, or or it's not action comics. That was Superman, but uh, TV twenty one comic strips. That was it. Um, it's adapted from one of those, so it's a little bit even more than the TV show. It's a little bit more sort of, um, sort of very retro sci fi, but um. I again, I can sort of hone in on the on the production of it because, um, I think Wayne Forrester is a fantastic actor. He voices all the male roles in the Captain Scarlet Spectrum files, um, and does fantastically at sort of getting into the different voices, uh, getting very close to the original cast and sort of replicating their performances, um. He was, I was delighted when I heard he was going to do them as well because he was the version of Captain Scarlet from the newer TV series, which I loved uh, as well as the original. Um, and I'm, I'm delighted that it's him. He, you know, he has come back to do these, um, you know, stories for Big Finish, um, which are sort of, you know, they use the imagery from the original series. But I, I'm delighted that it's the newer voice of Captain Scarlet is still doing them. Um, and I, 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 
will end on a wish for more, please. Um, I think they've adapted all the novels they're possibly able to. Um, not 100% sure about that. Um, a lot of the An- Jerry Anderson stuff seems to be adapted from novels and comic strips. I am all for Big Finish and Anderson Entertainment doing new stories. Um, I think it would be a real shame to waste the talents um, or not not to waste, but to, to sit on the talents of the various people involved here and and, and um, just continue to do the adaptations. I would love some new Captain Scarlet stories, some new Thunderbird stories. Like we're getting new Space, new space 1999 stories in that series. I, I would love to see the others, you know, um, the other series get that same sort of treatment. Well, fingers crossed it'll keep going and fingers crossed at some point I'll find the time to kind of sit down and figure out what it's all about because I, <laughs> I, I have to admit that pretty much all Jerry Anderson stuff has just entirely passed me by. I've, I've managed to go for over 30 years without really experiencing any of it at all. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's and this is one of the great things about Big Finish really is it it's it can be easy to forget that it's it's not all Doctor Who. It's not just this, as we sort of said before, a bit like a conveyor belt of Doctor Who. And I love the Doctor Who stuff. It's why we're here. It's why we do this podcast. But yeah, it, it is great that they they do do stuff like Jerry Anderson. And one day I will get to do my Big Blake Seven podcast episode. I nearly managed it when me and Rob Valentine chatted about it for two minutes when he joined us, um, but. <laughs> One day we will do a full Blake 7 episode. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's fantastic that there are all these different ranges and lines that we can follow. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't follow the Jerry Anderson stuff at all. But if I ever do find myself in front of uh, uh, the Captain Scarlet series, I can go straight to Big Finish for even more afterwards. Um, and yeah, it, it, it is great that they do keep finding these absolutely fantastic series to continue to work on to bring us more of. Yeah. See, the thing with the Jerry Anderson stuff is, I think, from my point of view, a lot of the appeal is mainly in the TV series and the fact that all the vehicles and like all the Thunderbirds and all the planes and cars and tanks and whatnot and Captain Scarlet all look really damn cool and they all blew a lot of things up. You know, that was what my brother was getting into when we watched that episode. It was there was a, a bit where a couple of the angel planes sort of dive bomb um, and let off all these rockets. And my brother was really impressed that there's all these because it's all practical effects. You know, it's it's they're genuinely blowing stuff up and it's very exciting. Um, I think with the big finish stuff, it sort of keys in and taps more into the nostalgia of remembering watching that stuff as a kid, um, more so than the Doctor Who stuff does. Like Doctor Who, you know, you're getting these new stories. It's exciting to hear these old characters getting brand new stories. Whereas I think with the Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds big finishes, it's definitely more sort of uh, like reminding you of, 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 of watching those episodes. Um, and sort of trades more on the nostalgia of I can remember when you're a kid and you used to watch those things and and um you remember what the Thunderbirds looked like and how cool they looked when they were flying that sort of thing um rather than sort of doing as I say those newer stories with um you know because they're they're very visual um series and they're very visual sort of 
um, very action based, um, which I think is maybe mo- is is maybe why so many of them so far have taken a more narrated format because it's easier to get that action across. Uh, yes, yes, I can definitely understand that, um, but it's it's another joy of big finish that they have for quite some time now juggled formats, played with different formats and mixed and matched and merged, and it always seems to have worked quite well. Um, so, yeah, it's I guess it's one of the glorious freedoms of audio as a medium. Um, but, yeah, Big Finish do seem to uh, utilise it at its best. Uh, we'll move on to our sort of final point of discussion then, and it is uh, something we've already kind of... Um, touched on in this episode but it, it it does deserve its its own proper discussion it's transference uh which was a big finish original that came out Ooh, was it three four years ago now i think it was was it 2019 or 20 something like that i think it must have been 2019 uh because i remember the job i was in at the time um i remember listening to that at my desk um so yes i think that was about 2019 August 2019, according to the Big Finish app. I've just found it. Um, and it's, it's huge. It, it's, it's massive for a Big Finish release. Uh, it, it's, it's, eight, it's eight hours long. It's six hours long. I can never remember. It's eight hours, isn't it? It's, 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 um, see, a lot of the episodes sort of come in around 45 or 50 minutes. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it is an eight-episode series, which is massive indeed for Big Finish. So if it was ITV on a Sunday evening with breaks, it'd be eight hours. We'll go with that. Um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a very, very, very big, long story for a big finished release. And it is a serial. It is one long story uh, with a team of writers. And I, I genuinely struggle to believe that we've not quite had something like this since. Um. Because it, 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 in my view at least, it, it it's a runaway success. It's it's a proof of concept that Big Finish can sort of get in on that kind of gritty, gritty British conspiracy drama type thing, which is you know it's been popular for well over two decades, and it's going to continue to be popular for ages as well. It always sort of brings to mind what was that one that had Keely Hawes and what's his face who was going to be James Bond for a while but then hasn't turned out to be, um, Bodyguard, Body. It was that one. It sort of always brings yes. that sort of tone and feel to mind. Yeah, um, that. Yeah, that kind of Jeb Mercurio line of duty kind. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's it sort of it. It's got bits of. Uh, Going back a bit further, things like state of play and all that sort of thing as well. It, it's absolutely great. And I kind of think that Big Finish are missing a trick by not doing more of this kind of thing. Um, the one thing I will say about it is it kind of it sets itself up as or sort of describes itself as being perhaps more of a psychological drama than it actually ends up being, sort of the... The tagline is, if a fantasist told you they killed someone, would you believe them? Um, That's kind of done and dusted within the first couple of episodes, and we're into proper conspiracy territory. Um, So it kind of, it doesn't quite stick to its initial 
question, but it evolves into something that is arguably more gripping of a premise. Um, but yeah, so transference, what are your thoughts? It is undoubtedly one of the best things Big Finish have ever released. I feel like I say that a lot, but this is this is t- absolute top drawer stuff. Um, it just really does show that the the Big Finish team can turn their hand to creating this really sort of serious as as, as everyone calls it a Sunday night drama because it is a Sunday night drama. That's it feels like you should be watching this at nine o'clock. Um, you know, just as the watershed hits, sort of thing. Um, you know, it really does have that feel. Um, has this ever turned up on like Radio Four or something? Because it feels like it belongs there. Um, not that I'm aware of, but I wouldn't be surprised if it had. Um, it, it feels it feels exactly the sort of thing that they would go for. Again, stunning cast. You know, Alex Kingston. Um, again, big finish making very excellent use of their. Um, contacts and you know the people that Doctor Who has allowed them to work with that they get to bring them in and do projects like this. Um, she sounds like she's 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 absolutely brilliant in this. Um, she couldn't be further from River for a start. Um, and it's really really good to hear her in a role that's not River. Um, even though I love River to bits, um, this is a really really good change of pace. This is a really really um. Interesting, interesting, and exciting, and and engaging series. Um, it's it's it it feels it takes a wee bit of a turn. This was it. It does almost feel like two big finish four episode box sets that have been released as one product because you get through the first four episodes and that's very sort of domestic. You're based in you know Sam's office in her house in her sister's you know house. Um, in, in cars and motorways and sort of very grounded and realistic and recognizable locations. Um, and, and, and they have sort of very recognizable, um, relatable, you know, the, the conversations all it feels, it feels very grounded and, 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 and realistic, I suppose. Um, and then you get to episode four and spoiler warning about and all hope you all ye who passed beyond this point. Um, Episode four ends with her policeman friend getting killed. Um, and then the rest of the set takes on a little bit more of a high octane approach um, with assassins and corporations and hitmen and, 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 and conspiracies and whatnot. And it does sort of drift away from that. Um, the whole sort of the tie I remember the marketing for this had came up with psychotherapist and it sort of split up the word psycho and therapist and um, it's that sort of relationship between Keith and and Sam um I suppose is what that's alluding to it sort of moves away from that more in the second one as we learn that Sam is actually not the body that Sam suspects him to be in the first half um but they're both 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 sides of that coin, I suppose. Both sides of this series are are both in their own way really gripping and and, and as I said earlier, interesting and engaging and exciting and all sorts of other words. Um, and this is I try not to come back to this too often because it always feels really really good when I do get to listen to it, and I, I try and keep that sort of heavy heading of it that I'm you know not getting too used to it. Um. 
so yes, I, I, I'm as I'm sure you can tell, I, I can't sing the praises of this highly enough. I it definitely has to be one of the go to recommends for people who you know who maybe want to listen to Big Finish and want to maybe get away from Doctor Who for a bit. Um, that's that would be one of the series you know would surely be at the top of that list. I used it as a palate cleanser after a pretty hefty marathon earlier in the year. Um, I'd done uh, basically everything Third Doctor related Big Finish had ever released, which took me a good couple of months. Um, And I just wanted to kind of get Unit and Joe Grant and all that kind of thing out of my head before I moved on to more Doctor Who. Because obviously Pertwee Doctor Who, Third Doctor Doctor Who is very, very kind of not formulaic, but it, it, it's definitely got a bit of a template that a lot of it is cut from. And this was just the perfect sort of snap back to back to reality, to something different. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely excellent. It, it's really well plotted, really well paced. It does sort of turn on its head halfway through when uh, her friend is killed and all of a sudden it, 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 it becomes quite a different story it moves at a different pace uh, and it kind of it starts asking more questions to keep you hooked you know just in case the initial few mysteries were starting to bore you there's a load more stuff to kind of go with here and it does perhaps cross into slightly ridiculous territory by the time it gets to the end but very few stories don't you know it, it has to you know the format kind of dictates that the ante has to be upped before the finale. Um, we keep talking about Sunday night BBC ITV dramas. They all do it, so why shouldn't this? Um, I'd, I'd love to see this kind of thing a bit more often, and I think that if Big Finish were ever going to sort of start experimenting with releasing things in a bit more of a serialised format, this would be the way to do it. You know, could we perhaps have it released on eight consecutive weeks. Could we have an episode a week? And then could the CD with the full thing get sent out afterwards? You know, maybe that kind of thing. Um, there's definitely room for that sort of thing. And with, I think digital delivery is probably now the the primary way that big finished customers receive I don't know. I, I'm not a huge CD customer anymore, although I'm the first person to buy something when it comes out on vinyl. Um, but I'm assuming that most people listen to their big finish digitally now. I'm assuming that they're using the app or they're downloading the files from the website on the day of release. And I think that does actually enable big finish to release things in more of a serialized format uh, than they have done in the past. I guess we've kind of played with it a bit. We had double. Uh, at the start of the year, the Torchwood two-parter that we kind of got a few weeks apart and that sort of thing. We're getting a once and future each month at the moment. So maybe um, it is something they could start moving towards, but this kind of thing, picking up an episode each week, I'd absolutely love it. They did it with Dark Shadows. I don't listen to Dark Shadows. You know, I, I've, I've never listened to Dark Shadows, but um, I think they did that with Dark Shadows, one of the last series they did yes was, it was um weekly release wasn't it um i can't remember if it was daily or weekly 
but there was there was some kind of I also don't really follow Dark Shadows, but there was there was definitely some kind of serialized release, and it, it was it was done that way. And it, it's I'm surprised it's something they don't do more often. It, it, it feels like a potentially easy win for them, um, and it, it's something like Transference. It would have me hooked. I'd genuinely be going to download the latest episode every i don't know tuesday morning whatever um so yeah that's definitely something that we could be maybe getting in the future it could definitely work and i think a release like transference is absolutely the way to do it it builds interest i think it builds uh, like i remember when 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 Dalek Universe was coming about, you know, out, and it was coming out sort of on the regular big finish, you know, three months per box set, you know, sort of schedule. Dark or Dalek Universe felt like a really genuine community experience for Doctor Who in the middle of the pandemic, you know. Um, I remember people, you know, there was a lot of talk about it online, um, because it was, you know, David Tennant was doing a series. That'll never happen again on TV. Uh, let's do it with Big Finish. <laughs> um you know, and that felt like I, I said at the time, I said, this feels like they've, they've done a great big tentpole release and they're um, putting it out a wee bit at a time and it's generating all this, you know, conversation. I'd love them to do that again at some stage. I don't know that Once in Future has quite hit the same buttons for me in that regard, um, but it is something I would love to see them do. Something like Transference would be perfect for that. I think the closest example this year would probably be the new uh, series of Torchwood, Torchwood Among yeah. Us, which is which was three sets released over three consecutive months. Um, and I, I sort of wish they'd have done it in a way that, even if they were releasing it in box sets of three episodes, they could have perhaps done each one three weeks apart. So if you wanted to take the one-a-week approach, you could have done. Um, but uh, no, they, they were sort of dropped quite far apart i think the first one was the start of a month the second one was the middle and the third one was the end so it was more like a six-week gap in between each set but um yeah i think that again it's just something that they should perhaps start experimenting with you know we've got this very 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 well at this stage established digital distribution method we've got an app that lets you download any big finish you own at the push of a button. Um, perhaps there's room for something like this, something a little more serialised. I hope so. I've just realised what it was actually with Dalek Universe that sort of drew, I think, what sort of drew the community conversation into it. It was the cliffhangers. Each of those sets ended on a cliffhanger. Um, and one of them, I, I suppose, to some extent, still hasn't been resolved. Um, one of those, so the, the first set, and that was, um, um, you know, the Doctor and Anya were unconscious at the hands of a potentially evil Mark. The second box set was, oh gosh, River Song's in this. You know, the Dalek turned up and saying, hello, sweetie. Um, we're going to get David Tennant and Alex Kingston. Hurrah. Um, the third one ends with, Anya getting a little bit blown up and then I think it does reveal she's still alive and well but living out of her own time and um, we still haven't got a follow-up with Anya I would love there to be one um, but I think it's that sort of thing where you're getting a regular release you know there's going to be a series coming out but you're getting cliffhangers that like like that uh, to keep the conversation going in the meantime this is all just me adding on to what you've been saying about yes please more of this sort of weekly or monthly release 
format just to draw out the suspense and build up that excitement. It's really, really worthwhile and really, really effective sort of format for that. It's definitely worth seeing where that kind of thing could go, I think. But maybe it's in the plan, maybe it's not. We never know. It's nice to speculate and it's nice to kind of maybe look at it this way. And at the end of the day, with something like Transference, there's absolutely nothing stopping us from doing an episode a week while we listen to it because, as I said, it's all available on the app at the touch of a button. Um, But yeah, I think that is pretty much all we have time for. This has ended up being quite a long episode, but it's because we don't talk about big finishes, non-Doctor Who output enough, really, and there's there's a lot there to enjoy. We've kind of only sort of... uh, started to look at it even though we've done two episodes of this there's there's so much more to go for and i mean i could talk about transference till the cows come home it's just it, it's an absolutely great suspenseful piece of audio drama um but yeah it, it's we shall leave it there for now we shall return to the subject of not who sometime in the future though probably when i've listened to sherlock holmes um but meanwhile i will say thank you very much for joining me connor thank you very much this has been a a a really really fun one to do and i'm sure we'll be back for more not who in the future at some point and we will definitely be back for more spodcasting next week so goodbye now 